Welcome to GYN Corner with Dr. McDaniel, all things health-related for women. Good morning, this is Dr. McDaniel. It's Wednesday, uh, happy hump day, and I'm continuing on with my um, talk this week on uterine fibroids. As a brief overview, I, I spoke how uterine fibroids are also called myomas or fibromas, and they are balls of uterine muscle. They can occur anywhere in the three linings of the uterus, so either under the skin, in the meat, or pooching into the lining of the uterus, and respectively we call those um, subserosal, intramural, or submucosal. Uterine fibroids can also occur on the cervix. That would be a cervical myoma or a cervical fibroma, a cervical fibroid, because the cervix is also muscle, muscular tissue. Fibroids can do one of either three things. They can plump up or bulk up the body of the uterus. So instead of having a normal size uterus of about five to six centimeters, which is about the size of a pear, it can bulk up to the size of a nine or a 10 month air quotes, pregnancy size, uh, which would be from five to six centimeters up to 40, 40 to 44 centimeters. Fibroids can also cobblestone the lining inside the uterus. So instead of being a smooth, small cavity, it can increase the surface area and the fibroids can have um, the effect of increasing the amount of menstrual flow someone has. So instead of the average cycle, which is three to five days, it can increase the flow to two to three weeks every month. Um, let's see, and or they could do both. You can have a huge uterus and increased surface area. So you have a huge uterus and a long, heavy flow with fist-sized clots of blood with the cycle. Sorry, I have allergies today, so I might cough a bit. Uh, let's see, in addition to that, one can categorize the symptoms of the fibroid uterus and evaluate it in that manner. So with evaluation, we check for infection, inflammation, hormonal or medical problems, other physical problems, masses, growth, or tissue changes, and um, potentially a biopsy to see if microscopically there are infectious inflammatory or tissue changes pre-cancer, even cancerous reasons for why someone has an abnormal blood flow. Uh, as far as the size of the uterus goes, really all that's done, if it's just an issue of size, the cycle is totally normal, three to five days, no bleeding in between the cycles, nothing crazy, then <clears throat> as far as the size goes, it's just an ultrasound. Every blue moon, it'll be an MRI to see if potentially uh, the masses that we're looking at don't really look like fibroids. So, with that being said, the treatment is dictated upon what the complaint is because, medically speaking, one does not need any intervention or treatment for uterine fibroids unless they're bothering them. So even if you have fibroids the size of a nine or 10 month pregnancy, if it's not bothering you, you don't need to do anything about it. If it's bothering you, then you want to address it. Same with the cycles. Now, most women will have a problem if their cycle is more than a week, right? Week out of a, a month, that's a long time. 
um, but realistically speaking you do the evaluation we say oh it's because you have tons of fibroids pooching inside the lining of the uterus you can decide if you want to do anything about it if it's an issue of a long heavy <coughs> sorry menstrual flow then the treatment predominantly as I mentioned yesterday is going to be birth control pills because birth control pills manipulate the cycle you can go on a really low dose monophasic pill and you can cut a two to three week cycle down to four or five days you can also do uh, birth control pills which we call extended cycle pills where you don't get the cycle every month you get it every three months you could do that and even if your cycles are still lasting five to seven days or six to seven days it's once every three months so that's pretty easy and then in addition to that you could take the pills back to back so instead of it once every three months you get a cycle once every six months which is of course stellar uh, and it, now that's the most popular birth control pills they are easy to start easy to um, maintain and you get side benefits so a lot of women on these low dose pills will have decreased um, premenstrual symptoms breast tenderness bloating the whole gambit now a secondary option instead of the low dose birth control pills if someone doesn't want to take them would be to take uh, to receive the shot the Depo-Provera shot um, medroxyprogesterone acetate shot which is just like the pills except instead of having a yin and yang estrogen and progesterone you only have progesterone the shot is once every three months and then after time you either get really really super light short cycles every month or as most women you get a cycle only every three months super light and then a large portion of women don't get cycles at all as long as they maintain the every three months for the shot now of course the catch with the shot is because it's only progesterone it's constantly trying to prevent blood from building up in the uterus in so doing the first two shots or the first six months most women are going to have abnormal bleeding any type of off-the-wall bleeding is considered normal the first six months of the shot it could be bleeding every day bleeding every other day no holds barred for the abnormal bleeding and <coughs> because it's only progesterone progesterone is also the hormone that causes premenstrual cycle uh, premenstrual symptoms you can have PMS issues ad-lib the first six months or the first two shots so you know there's can't get something for nothing there's always going to be a price to pay during the adjustment time frame um, let's see a third option would be to do <coughs> sorry <coughs> either the implant nor plant next sorry nor plants off the market for about 20 years ago <laughs> having a having a flashback um, the implanon or nexplanon which are the three-year little rods to get in the arm or the IUD intrauterine device the copper IUD would not be a good option because the copper IUD is stimulating everyone with the copper IUD has heavier longer cycles than their natural cycles but the hormonal IUD which just like the shots just like the rod uh, is only progesterone the hormonal IUD is an option however similar to the shots similar to the rods first six months you could potentially have wacko bleeding every day every other day a period twice a month period for three or four weeks it's unpredictable the first six months of the hormonal IUD that could be the five-year Mirena Kylina the now four-year Liletta the three-year Skyla 
um, that's pretty much it. So that those are the catches with the hormonal IUDs, but it would do the same as the shots. First six months would be wacky, and for most women, not all, but for most women, it would give you light short cycles every month, or skipped months at a time, or just random pink spotty, unpredictably, but maybe every few months. A last option would be a, I guess, yes, a last option would be a um, endometrial ablation, which is a surgical procedure. It's day surgery, so it's not a huge deal, but still surgery, it's still anesthesia, it's still going to the operating room, day surgery, operating room, but uterine um, endometrial ablation is where either a, a ball or an instrument is passed along the lining inside the uterus to scar up and destroy the lining where the blood builds up, that endometrial lining where the blood builds up, so that you scar it up so much that it's either destroyed so you don't get cycles at all, or over time, only a portion of the lining heals normally, so you get super, super light short cycles. Uh, it's either an instrument, a ball, or hot, hot, uh, I guess blazing hot, um, boiling water is placed into the uterine cavity, but it's the same effect. It's to burn, to scald, to destroy, and to scar the endometrial or the uterine lining so that it doesn't function properly. Therefore, when your body tells it to build up blood, to stimulate blood buildup in the lining, it doesn't occur properly, it occurs at, a, at, at not at all, or at a small fraction of the lining. So subsequently, you have super light short cycles because the lining's not responding completely. Those are all of the potential ways <coughs> sorry, to minimize uh, menstrual cycles with uterine fibroids without actually removing the fibroids, going to the operating room and having full-blown surgery on the fibroids. So those are minimalistic or medical management practices for minimizing a heavy long flow or menorrhagia. Um, if someone is not having issues with the flow, they're just having issues with the size of the uterus, they just want a smaller uterus because of the discomfort and the issues that they're having with the bulk of their uterus, then they would be able to um, undergo surgical procedures. The surgical procedure could be in uh, what we call in-house, so in the hospital major surgery where we just remove the uterus, hysterectomy. Uh, sometimes, depending on how small the uterus still is, even though it's enlarged, it could be day surgery where the hysterectomy is done with a camera laparoscopically or with robotic assistance laparoscopically. It could be just removing the uterus <coughs> or what we call a supracervical hysterectomy or it could be removing the uterus and the cervix which is a total abdominal hysterectomy. Uh, alternately, it could be removing the uterus and the cervix vaginally. That's a total vaginal hysterectomy. It could also entail just plucking out the fibroids. That's called a myomectomy, because fibroids are also called myomas. So the myomectomy would entail just going to day surgery or major operating room, opening the belly, either um, grossly, which we call exploratory laparotomy, 
or with the camera and just plucking out the fibroids. Or it could be um, radiology, which we call interventional radiology, where the blood supply, the major blood supply to the uterus is blocked off. And that's called an in, um, uterine artery embolization. Lastly, but the least popular, is using ultrasound technology to break down and to destroy the fibroids individually so that they uh, degenerate, necrose, and then the uterus shrinks in size from the degeneration. Necrosis, similar to the uterine artery embolization, where it shrinks in size due to the lack of blood flow. Those are the major surgical or interventional management options. So I hope that's helpful. I'll stop there. I'm trying to keep these down to 8 to 10 minutes every day. I'm not succeeding. Uh, so that's a review on uh, the evaluation, the diagnosis, the management, the treatment of uterine fibroids. I'll do a wrap-up and conclusion tomorrow. Thank you for watching. This is Dr. McDaniel with GYN Corner. Hope everyone has a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. for joining Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner, all things health-related for women. Please subscribe and join us again soon for another episode.